today we're going to look at our our fourth mark of a disciple. Before I, I read my text, I want to read one scripture to you. It says this, Luke 6, 40, that a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. This is kind of the theme verse and of this series, and what this means is this, is that when we become like Jesus Christ, or when we are fully developed, or when we are the disciples that he has called us to be, we will be like him. Anybody want to be like Jesus today? Anybody want Jesus Christ to be formed in you? And so that is the, the gist of what we are addressing in this sermon series. And real quick, and I'll read this and then let you be seated. But Matthew 25, verse 31. You can read on the screen or follow along in your, uh, your Bible or the church app. But it says this, But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit upon His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in His presence and He will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at His right hand and the goats at His left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. So today, just for a little while, I want to preach on this thought that disciples are ministers. Look at your neighbor and say, disciples are ministers. Come on, don't be shy. Look at your neighbor. Look at somebody else, two or three people. Disciples are ministers. God bless you. You may be seated today. Growing up, many people have this aspiration of being rich and famous. Did anybody, when you were growing up, and some of you are not fully grown yet, have this desire to be rich and famous? Anybody want to be rich and famous? All right, we've got one, one over there. One person wanted to be rich and famous. I, I don't know that I really had some great desire to be rich and famous. My, my aspiration was to grow up and own a ranch out in the western part of the United States. And I guess the way I thought about it wasn't so much about being rich, but it would have taken me to have a great amount of wealth to do what I wanted to do, which was if I'm going to have this big ranch and all this land, and I was going to have a helicopter to be able to go and, and oversee all of it and check all the properties, which probably meant that I'd have to be at least rich, if not famous. But part of that aspect uh, and that desire when people have it uh, of growing up and thinking about the big house and the nice cars, at least in times past, they thought about having servants. Anybody wish you had a servant today when you have to clean your house? Wish somebody just come in and clean it for you and you didn't have to pay them or... Maybe if you had the money to pay them. But, but there is this idea that the rich 
would have others who would serve them, usually for letter, very little money, if any money. That the rich were the people with all the money, and they had, because of that, because of their wealth and because of their power, that people would come in and serve them. But Jesus turns most everything upside down. That he doesn't do the things uh, the way that you and I would normally envision them. In fact, he says stuff like this. It's that if you want to be first, you've got to be last. That the first will be last and the last will be first. That it's not about getting to the front of the line because if you're trying to get to the front of the line, you probably are not going to get there. In fact, in his kingdom, you will be at the end of the line. That the greatest among you, the person who you would, you would think is going to be the, the, the best at whatever it is, they're going to be the greatest. He said, in order to be the greatest, you have to be the servant of all. Look at your neighbor and say, you've got to be a servant. Now, now let me explain this to you. In, in my title, and you see it on the screen, that the marks of disciple, and this week we're looking at that we are to be ministers. The word minister and the word servant are synonyms. They mean the same thing. And in fact, in the Bible, there's the same word that is used in the Greek for those two words. So, so when you say that we are to be ministers, what that really means is we are to be servants. That we are to serve other people. That we are to help other people. Not for our gain and not for our good, but for their good. That it's about helping other people. It's about serving them. In fact, Jesus said of himself, he said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. And he went on to say, and to give my life as a ransom for many. And the greatest act of servitude that Jesus did was to offer himself as a sacrifice on the cross so that you and I could have eternal life. Anybody thankful for eternal life today? And so we are to be servants. We're to help other people. It is what we are called to do and and I would tell you that this is not just an optional kind of thing it's not just a good thing and some people should do it and not everybody should do it but I would tell you that everyone who claims to be a Christian and who calls on the name of Jesus we are called to be servants now it is it is true that we are to be servants of God and we think about serving God and, and when we think about serving God, if I was to ask you what that means, how do you serve God, many of you would say things, well, like, I go to church. I serve God by showing up on a Sunday morning or whenever you may have church. Many of you would say, I, I serve God by reading His Word, and we do. We should read the Word of God. We should spend time in the Word of God. And I preached about that last week. Many of you would say that I serve God by spending time in prayer, and we should. That is a way in which we serve God. So we are servants of God, and we are to serve Him. And I'm going to talk a little bit about some additional things of what it means to serve God. But even then, we would say things like, well, if I'm serving God, then I serve in the church. And, and you should serve in the church, we don't do what we do on a Sunday morning or throughout the week with just one person doing it all, that people need to serve. We've got people right now, I'm up here talking, but we've got people sitting in the back that are running the screen and running the sound and, and running various things that make this happen. People are out teaching Sunday school. They're serving the kingdom of God by what they do on a Sunday morning. 
But it's beyond Sunday morning. It's beyond all of that. And, and the next step besides serving God is a lot of times people will say, well, we serve the people of God, which is part of what's going on here on Sunday morning, and that we are to do good to the household of faith, that we're to show hospitality, especially to those, Peter said, of the household of faith and people that are fellow Christians, we're to take care of them. You see that throughout the scripture in Acts chapter 6 when the widows are not being fed and, and the, the Greek widows don't think that they're getting their, their share of the, the daily distribution or the weekly distri- distribution of bread and they complain. And, and so then they set up a whole kind of a deacon board that takes care of that particular ministry. You're serving the people of, that are part of the household of faith. But I would tell you that it's more than just serving God by prayer and reading his word and showing up to church and and doing things around the church. And it's more than just taking care of the people that come to church and our fellow Christians. But God has called us to serve others, even if they're not Christians. Even if they don't believe like we believe, even if they don't look like what we look like even if they may not have the same values that you and I have, God has called us to serve them. In fact, the first thing that I want to point out to you is that this idea of serving others is very important to God. We see that throughout the Old Testament. There is in the Old Testament a multitude of provisions that God gives, and in fact laws that He gives that are about taking care of other people. Specifically, about taking care of the poor, over and over and over, the scriptures exhort the people of God to take care of the poor. In fact, one one of the laws that God gives is if you have a field of grain or whatever it happens to be, and you go in and you harvest all of that, that you can't harvest everything in the corners of the fields. That as you're cutting down, you can't go back through the field and make sure that you didn't miss anything. And the reason for that is this, is that the people who didn't have a field, the people that don't have the land and they don't have the ability to grow crops like you do, that God wanted you to leave, them to leave something for those people to go in and they would reap the harvest in the corners of the fields and they would reap the leftovers and things that had fallen off to the wayside. It was God's provision, one way that he provides for people and one way uh, of him showing love for others and for you to show love for others is to follow his law and to leave things for those who are less fortunate. In fact, if you want to make God mad in the Old Testament, there's a good way to do that. Mistreat those who have less than you do. you read the minor prophets those last 12 books of the old testament there is a common theme through much of those 12 books of the bible and that is god is angry because the rich are mistreating the poor he's angry because they're taking advantage of the poor they're not helping people who are less fortunate And so he gets angry at them and he is sending judgment on them for how they treat others. The way you and I treat somebody is important to God. Man, is this a spiritual topic or what? Now, now as a preacher, you always want to preach things that are really exciting and considered spiritual. 
preach about prayer, preach about worship, all those things. But Jesus has called us to be disciples. And that means that we are to be like him. We are to care about what he cares about. And if he cares about treating others well and taking care of the needs of, the, of others, guess what? That means that we should care about that and that we should do that. In fact, and this is not in my, my notes, but, but in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days, the Bible says he goes into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted or to be trying. He fasts for 40 days, and while he's there, he is tempted by the devil, and, and you're familiar with that. But at the end of the 40 days, he comes out of the wilderness. The Bible says, in the power of the Spirit. And the first thing he does when he comes out in the power of the Spirit is he goes to church. Well, that would be a good thing. But since you're here, I don't need to preach to you about going to church. It's the people that aren't here today that need to hear about going to church. Hopefully, they're tuned in online watching about their need to go to church. But, but when he gets to church, he gets to the synagogue, and he gets the scroll of Isaiah. And he opens it up, and he says... He reads the passage from Isaiah, and the first thing he says is that the poor have the gospel preached to them. That's where he goes first, is because the poor people of society, they're they're viewed as being less than everybody else. He didn't say, I'm going to give you riches. He didn't say anything else, but he said, you're going to have the gospel. He targets the poor that the gospel is going to be preached to them so that they can be saved. In fact, I would tell you, and I need to hurry, but I, I would tell you that the people who are often less fortunate rely more on God than the people who have more money. They are more likely to come to God whenever they have to depend on Him. Which is why you see such great revival in third world countries and other parts of our world that don't have the stuff that you and I have here in the U.S. They are looking for a Savior because they need more than just salvation they need all the things that come with the kingdom of god all of the blessings and they are open to the king because of their need their material need the last six commandments of the the ten commandments have to do with our relationship with other people god is concerned about our relationship with others and what you and i do that we are to protect others we're to help others we're to look out for others and in fact, in Genesis, when Cain kills Abel, Cain asks the question of God. When God says to, to Cain, he says, where is your brother? And Cain's response is this, am I my brother's keeper? The answer to that question is yes. God doesn't say, no, you're not your brother's keeper. The answer is, yes, you are your brother's keeper. That you are to take care of your brother. You are to help your brother. You are to help, in essence, those who are in need. God cares about other people and serving others is important to him. Secondly, I would tell you this, that serving others impacts impacts salvation. I'll leave it at that. It impacts salvation in a number of ways one way it impacts salvation is this is that when you do good to others in the name of jesus christ 
they are more likely to come to want to know Jesus Christ. Jesus said it that way, when you give a cup of water in my name. That you're doing it because of him, you're doing it to to help others, but you're doing it because you love him, and that's what he has called us to do. Hudson Taylor, famous missionary to China, he said this, he says, a hungry man has no ears. That as he tried to share the gospel with people in China, and they were starving, they couldn't hear his presentation of the gospel because they had no food. And so he figured out that if he helped other people and he gave them food, they were then more open to hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I would tell you, it is the same thing with you and I. When we help those who are less fortunate, and we are doing it in Jesus' name, they are more likely to hear the gospel when we share it. They're more likely to want to know the Jesus that you and I serve when we share it. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount, we, we talk about this, we say salt and light all the time, but this is the way he said it in the New Living Transla- Translation. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt? If it has lost its flavor, can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You and I are called to serve others, and as we do good deeds and help others, they will see what we are doing. And Jesus said, when they see what we are doing, they will praise our heavenly Father. We are called to serve others, and it will impact their salvation when we serve them, when we help those who are in need. I would also say that it impacts not only others' salvation, but it impacts ours as well. The the passage that I read as my text, Jesus separates what he calls the sheep and the goats. He puts the sheep on his right hand, your left. Puts the the goats on his left hand, which is your right today. He separates them out. And in this text, there is one criteria for the separation. It is this, that I was hungry and you fed me. I I was thirsty, and you gave me to drink. I, I was naked, and you clothed me. I was a stranger, and you took me in. And the thing about those who are the sheep, those are the ones who have been doing that. They didn't even recognize its importance. For they say to him, Lord, when did we do that to you? When did we feed you? 
When did we clothe you? When did we give you a drink? When did we visit you in prison? And, and when did we take you in? And he says, you didn't really do it for me personally. He said, but when you did it unto the least of these, you have done it unto me. It impacts our salvation. Now, I'm not going to tell you that if you go out and volunteer and help a bunch of needy people, you're automatically saved. That's not the point that I would make here. It is not what Jesus is making because in other places he says you must be born again. But for those who are born again, how you help others and how you serve others will impact our relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And he says, help those in need, and you don't help those in need. Guess what? Then you're not following his commands. There's a a saying out. You may have heard it. If you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Is there enough fruit in your life that would convict you for being a Christian? And if we just put the spotlight on this one subject, are you helping other people? Are you serving other people? Are you doing good to other people, especially those who are less fortunate than you and I? And and understand this, that not everyone can do everything. This is not a call for you to run out today and empty your closet and start giving to everybody that may not have clothes and to empty your pantry and begin to give. And then you've got to go find some prison that you can go visit people in. Everyone doesn't do everything, but together we can do a whole lot. That maybe God calls you to go visit those in prison. And maybe God calls you to be the one who takes in people that that don't have a place to live. And maybe God is working on you. You're the one who's giving clothes away. Not just so you can get a tax credit, but you find somebody in need. They don't have a coat in the middle of the winter, so you give them your coat. So it's not about all of us doing everything. But it is about our attitude. It is about the attitude of our heart. Do we love other people? Do we, are we concerned for other people? Are we willing to help other people? And as we come across them, do we actually help them? And I would tell you that if your heart is not for helping others, if you don't have a heart for others, then you're not living up to what God has called you and I to be. The third thing I would tell you is this, is that serving others is all about love. It's all about love. Now understand, this is, and I've actually jumped ahead because I was looking at the other slide. Go back one slide, if you will. Serving others is part of serving God. Thank you, John. You were on top of it. My bad. Serving others is part of serving God. I mentioned we serve God by prayer and fasting and showing up for church, and we we do a lot of different things. But this is not just about volunteerism. This is not just about doing a bunch of stuff. And, And serving God is more than serving others. It is that prayer, it is that fasting, it's all of that. 
But Jesus uses this phrase, as you have done to the least of these, you have done to me. That when you and I serve other people, it is a way in which you and I are serving God. In fact, Jesus uses this phrase, as you have done to the least of these, my brothers. He uses that family type language. And you could take that a couple of different ways. You could say, well, it's about the church family, so that we're just to serve the church family. And we should serve the church family. We should serve those who are saved. But I think it's more than that. Because the reality is that all of us in this room, and in fact all seven plus billion on this planet, no matter how good or how bad they are, they are all created in the image of God. That in one sense, all of us are God's children. Therefore, in the sense of what Jesus is talking about, that we are all His brothers. And that as whatever we're doing to people who are part of His creation, we are doing it unto Him. There's a Latin phrase that's used for image of God when they talk about that, that concept in Genesis chapter 1. It's imago Dei. It's Latin. Look at your neighbor, though. I want you to practice and make sure you're paying attention. Look at your neighbor and go, you are Imago Dei. Well, you can do it. If you don't have anybody, just make it up. Just look around the room. That the person you're sitting next to or the person in the aisle across from you, they are in the image of God. that resident in them is no matter how broken it may be, no matter how fallen that you and I are, there is the residue of the image of God in us. And that what God does when He saves us is He is fixing and repairing and restoring that broken image. The image that has been broken by sin when Adam sins and all of us then are, are born sinners and all the sin that you and I do, that God is in that process of restoring His image in us. But even if they don't act like image bearers, God has called us to help them and serve them as we have the ability and as we have the opportunity. And so lastly, serving others is all about love. It is about loving God. That I serve other people because I love Him. And because He has called and asked me to do that. Maybe I should say it this way, He has commanded me to do that. But not only has He commanded us to love Him, but He says that we're to love our neighbors. And he puts a qualifier on that, that love your neighbor as yourself. There's nobody in this room that doesn't love yourself. 
And in fact, no matter how bad you might feel, and how much you don't like certain things about you, you love yourself, which is why those things you don't like about you bother you. Because you want to be accepted and you want people to love you and you want people to, to want to be around you because you love you. And anything that doesn't feel good, you don't like. So all of us love ourselves. And so he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Paul would say this in Ephesians, no man ever yet hated his own body, but loves and cherishes it. That's the way, that's the way we are as people, that the number one person in our life is us. Love our neighbors as ourselves. And so neighbors, and I've preached about this and you know this already, our neighbor isn't just the person living next door. It's not just the person we know. It's everybody we come in contact with. Just like when the Samaritan comes in contact with the Jewish man in this, on, the, on the side of the road who's been beaten and robbed. He doesn't know him. They don't like each other. They don't, their ethnicities don't mesh. But he sees him not through his ethnicity. He doesn't see him as through his religious views. He sees him as somebody in need, and so he helps him. And if that's not enough, Jesus takes it a step further. He says, love your enemies. It's one thing to love your friends. It's one thing to love those who you may not know anything about. But he even says that we're to love our enemies. And when we serve other people, we do it out of love for God and our love for people. As the musicians come, and I, and I wrap this up today, if I could recap it this way, is that serving others is important to God. Serving others impacts salvation. Serving others is part of serving God. And then lastly, serving others is all about love. So what you and I are called to do is to serve other people. We are called to be ministers. We're called to be servants. We're called to help those who are in need. This passage describes the coming judgment by God, as I mentioned. It says when, when Jesus comes, this holy angels, and he's going to set up his judgment seat and criteria that are used here is serving others but the reality is that's, that's not really the criteria that, that you're not saved by helping others but helping others can be what demonstrates your salvation I read it to you early. It says, you are a light. Your city set on a hill. You're a light to the world. You don't become a light by doing the good works. You do the good works because you are the light. So that you and I are called 
to help and serve other people, not in order to be saved, but because we are saved. That we're to emulate and to imitate Jesus Christ in our lives to do what He has done. Because you and I have been bought with a price. You and I have been saved. Sometimes people get the cart before the horse. Hopefully you're familiar with that expression. They get things out of order. And people can take the passage that I read and if they're not careful, they can spend their life serving other people and helping other people in anticipation and expectation that that will get them to heaven. And while their lives are commendable and why what they do is commendable, Jesus said in John 3, and I, I referenced it earlier, John 3, 3, it said, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And when Nicodemus asked about being born again, he said, how can a man enter his mother's womb and be born a second time? I, I don't understand. And Jesus clarified that, and he said, you must be born of the water and of the spirit in order to see the kingdom of God. That's the qualifier to get you in heaven. We've got a couple today who are going to be baptized here in just a little bit. We're so thankful for what God is doing in their lives. But that's the first thing. That when, when, when you're in the kingdom, now we serve others because we love God. And we love them and because we're listening to His commands. That there are all manner of people out serving others today who don't even know who Jesus is. They can't do, they can't give a cup of water in his name because they don't know him. They're doing it for whatever reason. And it may be commendable and it may be great. Serving others is a mark of a disciple. It's not what makes you a disciple. That's what a disciple does. And as I, I, I've told you, I'm, I'm usually very transparent. If I can say it this way, I have served others more, especially outside of the church. years that I've been here in Olathe that I did in my previous 46 years combined. And when I moved here and we moved to, to start a church that maybe one of the biggest things was God working on me to make me the disciple that he wants me to be before I can make other people to disciples. So I don't stand here today as one who says, you know what, I've been doing this for decades and you should be like me. No, you don't need to be like me, but you do need to be like Jesus. And a disciple, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Would you stand together today?
Ay. I don't know what you feel. Maybe I'm the only one feeling the move of the Spirit because maybe I need this the most. But I would call you to this. To look for needs around you. That as you come across needs and as you have the ability to minister and serve others, just because they need help, have the opportunity to share the gospel, then by all means share the gospel. And in a couple of weeks, I'll be preaching about one of the marks of a disciple is that we are messengers and that we are to share the gospel. But it's not just sharing the gospel only, but God has called us to minister to others. As they get ready to sing this song, would you just close your eyes and would you just think about what God has done in your life. And think about how you want others to experience the salvation that you have. And one way they can do that is by you helping them in need so that they're open to receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ when you're able to share it with them later. Would you do that right now? Would you close your eyes as they sing? Would you just look to the Lord?